A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Trader, a traitor's podcast. My name's Matthew and I'm a writer, reality competition TV fanatic and a 100% faithful. Promise. The Trader is a deep dive into each episode of the treacherous, treasonous, tactical TV show The Traitors, beginning with the most recent US version of the show, streaming now on Peacock and BBC. Last episode, I spoke to John from blues and rock band Bison Hip, and during our discussion, we theorised about Traitor's US host Alan Cummings' accent. So, I put it to an Instagram poll and asked if Alan's pronunciation of dollars is faux or 100% faithful. And the results were 46% for faux and 54% for faithful. So, I guess that's conclusive empirical evidence that his accent is real and we never need to discuss it again. Speaking of Alan, he's been in the headlines in the past few days, so let's talk about it in TT News. Alan Cummings celebrated his 58th birthday on the 27th of January and posted a surprising Instagram message. In it, he talks about the OBE he was awarded in 2009 from the Queen for LGBT activism. However, Alan has decided to return the title, stating, The Queen's death and the ensuing conversations about the role of monarchy and especially the way the British Empire profited at the expense and death of indigenous peoples across the world really opened my eyes. He also refers to the toxicity of empire, and OBE does stand for Officer of the British Empire, and says he's now back to being plain old Alan Cumming again. Anything but plain, I say. Traitors contestant Kate Chastain spoke to Vulture magazine and revealed how little contestants actually knew about the details of the show before they arrived in Scotland. She said the show was pitched to her as a game of manipulation and deceit, and really what sold her was the fact that she'd be able to wear her own clothes, as opposed to her uniforms on Below Deck, which is set on a yacht, and that's the reality show she's become known for. 
When asked when the complete rules were explained to contestants, she said, Not until we actually got to the castle were we given the exact rules of the game. In fact, it was a kind of lengthy process. Every so often, a little more information was leaked, and I think that was for the best, because had I known they would be taking away our phone and we would be allowed only one glass of wine a night, I'm not sure I would have been so excited to go. In the rest of the interview, she also talks about gameplay, how she was treated by other contestants, and her thoughts on various players. But the interview does include some spoilers, so if you want to read about it, you can do so on the Vulture website. Finally, some very exciting news. Traitors contestant Amanda Clark is going to be speaking to me in the next few days for a super special edition of The Trader. I have so many questions to ask her about her experience on the show, but I'd also love to know what you'd like me to ask her. So please get in touch with your questions for Amanda. You can DM me on Instagram at the Trader Podcast or send an email to thetraderpodcast at gmail.com. Today on The Trader, I'm flying solo, so I can say whatever I want, really, about episode 6 of The Traders US without anyone interfering or disagreeing with me. I'll also be playing The Trader Traitor again with you. As a reminder, The Trader Traitor is a game within a podcast about a game. My goal for the rest of the episode is to betray you by telling a lie. I'll fabricate some completely false fact or piece of information and it's up to you to put your traitor hunting skills to the test. And that begins right now. Let's get to the main event and talk about episode 6 of The Traitors US. So we left episode 5 of The Traitors on quite a big cliffhanger. The Traitors were discussing who they might want to murder next when there was a knock at the door and the episode ended right there. Now my previous guest, John from Band Bison Hip, reckoned that it was another fourth traitor. He thought that there was a secret traitor all along and that's who was going to be at the door. However... John, you'll be disappointed to find out it isn't another traitor at all. The door opens and it's Alan. They kind of psyched us out with this one. I mean, it wasn't that much of a surprise, I don't think. But and there was a complete overreaction from the traitors, particularly Cody screaming, no way, as if the host coming in was like the most unbelievable thing that had ever happened to him. So Alan appears and he tells them that they have to put three players on trial and at the end of the next day, one of those three will be murdered. And when Alan explains this, again, Cody looks like he is having some sort of panic attack. I'm not sure why this is the most upsetting news that he's ever heard. However, they have a talk about it and they decide to put on trial Kate, Angelica and Rachel. And I think this was a missed opportunity. Why didn't they put Cody on trial? Because they are allowed to do this. They're allowed to put traitors on trial. And Cody was already arousing a lot of suspicions, especially after Kyle's exit in the previous episode, when he really pointed out Cody very unsubtly before he left. So this seemed like a great chance to put Cody on trial and make him look innocent or vulnerable and make it look like he probably isn't a traitor. However, they decide not to do that. Kate, Angelica and Rachel are on trial. 
So we move on to breakfast the following morning. Now, one of the UK players who was a traitor called Wilf has said in an interview recently that he really had to contend with a lack of sleep at the breakfasts because the murder meetings at night sometimes went on till 2am. And I reckon the same thing is probably happening here that the traitors are filmed into the early hours of the morning, so they are probably struggling for an extra reason on top of everything else. Now, Kate and Rachel immediately butt heads at breakfast, which is horrible for them, probably brilliant for us. Kate slags off Rachel's outfit, saying that um, it makes Kate not trust her judgement because she would never wear such a thing. And then Rachel retaliates, saying, well, she wouldn't choose Kate's ugly best. And Kate has this great comeback where she says, well, Princess Diana did. She's got this sort of, it's like a knitted vest with sheep on it. And I had to look it up, but Princess Diana did wear this sort of famous sweater that looked like that, except it wasn't green, it was blue. So Kate takes a lot of pleasure in pointing that out to Rachel. Cody is the last to arrive at breakfast. And before he walks in, everybody assumes that he's been murdered because everyone else is there and there's always one person who doesn't turn up. However... Cody, of course, then walks in. Siri and Christian have to act like they're really surprised by it. And it becomes obvious there has been no murder the night before. Alan then comes in and he tells them what the viewer already knows, that Amanda has had to leave the programme and he reveals that Amanda was not a traitor, she was a faithful. This is a nice point for me to remind you that Amanda will be a guest on this podcast very soon. So let me know what questions you would like me to ask her. Now, the faithfuls on trial are revealed by letters handed out. And you could probably have predicted that Angelica begins to cry. It's her favourite thing to do. She just loves crying. After breakfast... We start hearing some discussions around the house. When I say discussions, I mostly mean just Kate screaming, Rachel is a traitor at the top of her voice. She doesn't really care anymore. She doesn't care who hears her. She doesn't care who she's upsetting. And it's brilliant TV. Kate is really the standout of the season, I reckon. Stephanie is also still sure that it's Cody. She's not really letting go of that from the previous night, especially after what Kyle said when he left. Now we move on to the mission for this episode. I think this is one of the better missions because it has an actual real physical element of hardship to it that isn't just running up and down a church aisle listening to Alan say numbers in a box. Before they take part in the mission, the idea of the armory is introduced and the armory gives contestants a chance to potentially win a shield which will protect them from murder. And this includes any of the three players on trial. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So we begin the task where the players have to push barrels up hills, across rivers, through fields, all the way to a whiskey distillery where Alan is waiting for them. And every barrel is worth a certain amount of money. Of course, the bigger the barrel, the more money it's worth. Kate is not here for the task at all. She says there is no amount of money that I would push a barrel up a rocky hillside for. Kate, I kind of understand that. There's a moment when they come to a river and the camera clearly shows us there's a little boat waiting for them so they could put the barrel in it and they could row the boat across the little river. However, they don't use it. I I don't know if they don't spot it or if they spot it and just decide it would be better to just wade through rushing water. And that's what they do. They all just walk through the river and get soaking wet. Now, Alan told them at the beginning that they will see other barrels along the way. And what that makes me wonder is, why bother with the first big one? It's it's kind of a waste of energy. Because they, they walk halfway through the task and then just start picking up other barrels anyway and abandoning the previous ones. So I'd like to think that if I was a player... As soon as I heard Alan say, you're going to see other barrels along the way, I, I just would walk the first half of the mission and then start picking up barrels because you're wasting a lot of energy rolling the first one along that you're inevitably going to ditch anyway. Now, Kate ends up carrying an armful of the tiniest barrels worth not very much money and then starts throwing them away. It's infuriating. Why is she doing this? She's totally checked out. She is not interested in... A, winning money, B, making friends. However, C, she is interested in being really great TV. I wonder if she's checked out because she's annoyed that she's on trial or because she thinks that she won't be murdered because the traitors want to keep her around as a human shield. So it doesn't really matter what she does in the game. They're always going to keep her. Although she could be banished. Or she said at breakfast twice... Being on trial was her get-out-of-castle-free card, so she kind of thinks this is the night she will go, and therefore she's not going to win any money, but she doesn't care about contributing anything. Now, Rachel and Angelica are desperate to get the armoury barrels to save themselves, and they end up being successful at the end of the mission, after a lot of blood, sweat and tears. Alan reveals that they have won $16,800 and three armoury passes, when they decide who's going to get the armory passes and all unanimously agree that Kate doesn't deserve one, Alan even steps in and asks her why she threw them away. And Alan doesn't normally get involved. He usually is sort of reading his script, playing a part, is relatively distant from the players, unlike Claudia Winkleman in the UK version, who seemed to always be very obviously rooting for them. So Alan steps out of character a little bit here because I think even he's surprised at what Kate's doing. Two of the armory passes go to Angelica and Rachel. Ari takes the other one, although it's utterly pointless. And the total prize fund at this point is $131,800. After the mission, we start to get more discussions about tonight's round table. Kate is immediately gunning for Rachel again in the car as soon as the mission is over. She's a little bit patronising. She tells the others that they will be completely dumb if they vote her out rather than Rachel. Although if I was one of the other players, I would be so annoyed at Kate at this point that I wouldn't be listening to anything that she said. Several people are genuinely considering voting out Kate 
and not because they think she's a traitor, but just because she was so annoying in the task, which is understandable. Stephanie talks to Christian about Cody, and she talks about how she thinks that Cody's definitely a traitor. And for the first time this series, we've got a hint of a traitor talking about having to turn on another traitor. Because it becomes difficult at some point to hear other players discussing a real traitor who you know is a real traitor and to not go along with them. It will make you look suspicious if you don't vote with what everybody else is saying. So Christian realises he might have to just vote against Cody to fit in and to keep up his act. We move on to the armory for the first time, which is a very cool room hidden behind a magical bookshelf, which Ryan had been looking for earlier in the series. Sadly, Ryan didn't last long enough to find that there actually was a secret magical room hidden behind a bookcase. So Angelica enters the armory first. She wins nothing. Then Rachel. Nothing. Then Ari wins the shield again, pointlessly, because he can't be murdered because he's not one of the three people on trial. I'm not sure why they bothered introducing the armory in the same episode that they introduced three players being on trial. I don't think that's worked out really well. I also wonder, I know I'm always really sceptical, right? In previous episodes, I've questioned various things about the timer and so on. But I wonder if all of the boxes in the armory are empty when Angelica and Rachel go in and that right before Ari goes in, they put the shield in the last box because that keeps the stakes quite high. If Angelica or Rachel had found the shield, then there would only be two potential people to be murdered. So my sceptical mind just questions, how real was the choosing of the shield? Now, the three players decide they're not going to tell anyone who has the shield. They'll just keep it a secret. And therefore that even gives them a bit of safety because the traitors won't know who they could try and murder This is something that the UK contestants did in the exact same way. And that makes me wonder, are they given this option by production or did they just figure out that tactic themselves? Either way, I would have thought that would be quite annoying for the makers of the programme that they've introduced this cool idea of a shield but then the players just decide they're not going to tell anyone who won it so they're kind of all protected anyway and it's as if they all won a shield. It seems like a bit of a flaw in the shield plan. Now, in the Australian version of the Traitors, it operates very differently because in that, it's clear who has won the shield because of the tasks that they take part in to win it. I think that works better if there's a very clear winner of the shield rather than having it be one of three or four people and nobody knows which one it is. It makes me suspect that in the next season, if there is a next season, Fingers crossed, I'm sure there will be. There will be some changes to the way that the armory works to avoid this loophole that the players have figured out. Now we move on to our final discussions amongst players before tonight's round table. And here is where Christian takes Siri outside to tell her he thinks they're going to have to turn on Cody and vote for him because everybody is starting to suspect Cody and it will look too obvious if neither of them vote for him. Siri says in her interview to camera that this is really risky and that if they get this wrong, meaning if they vote for Cody and he still doesn't go, it will be so awkward and that continuing to work with him as a traitor will be terrible. So it's a big risk that they're taking here. Even Rachel, for the first time since the opening episode, 
suggests in her interview that she doesn't see a world where Cody's not a traitor. It's not looking good for Cody at this point, is it? We move into the round table. Angelica does what I think I would be doing and just starts by honestly saying she has no idea who the traitors are. She is totally lost doesn't have a clue what's going on i think that might yeah i think that might be me as well kate says at this point she just wants out she's done with the game she's done earning money just for the traitors to steal it followed by then saying that she will be voting for rachel iconic behavior the conversation then turns to rachel cody trying to protect himself obviously names her as a suspect quentin then goes along with that as well he says he also thinks rachel might be a traitor And he had said right before the round table in his interview that he completely trusts Cody. How wrong is he? Sari then says she doesn't think it's Rachel or Kate, which is creating a bit of a conundrum. Cody then asks, well, if it's not Rachel or Kate, who do you think the traitor is? And the episode ends on the best cliffhanger yet. Overall thoughts on this episode, I think this was one of the best episodes yet. I know I say this every episode, but at this point, I definitely feel the tension increasing. I liked the mission. I liked, even though it was incredibly annoying to watch, I liked that Kate was totally sabotaging everything and throwing the money away because it was so infuriating to watch, but that makes it so great to watch. I like that now we're getting real backstabbing potentially amongst the traitors and that they figured out here comes the point where we turn on one another and I think the cliffhanger at the end works so effectively because we're just waiting to hear what Siri is about to say and essentially if she is about to say she thinks Cody is the traitor it feels inevitable to us as viewers that Cody is about to get all the votes and if that happens the player's might just banish their first traitor. So this was a great episode, I reckon, and we've left it at the perfect point. Before I finish today's episode, remember, you have been betrayed. Ah. I told you a lie throughout this episode. It was a fake fact, not an opinion. So when I said it was very obvious that Angelica was about to cry, I was being honest. If you think you know what I was lying about, let me know on Instagram at the Tradar Podcast or email thetradarpodcast at gmail.com. Additionally, remember to send me your questions for Traitors player Amanda, who I'll be interviewing very, very soon. And as always, spread the word, tell your friends about the podcast, leave a lovely review, not a horrible one, don't leave those, and make sure you subscribe and follow and do all that magical stuff. Thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, Stay faithful.